0: Hi, this is Elizabeth, and I've listened to every single episode of the When Dating Hurts podcast. I have not been in an abusive relationship myself, but I've had friends who have, and it's good to know the signs early, to get out early. Bill, thank you for all that you do.
1: The When Dating Hurts podcast is rated one of the most popular relationships podcasts in the world. Why is that? It's our guests. Whether you're listening to subject matter experts or domestic violence survivors, you know you're hearing what you need to know. And that is the truth about dating and domestic violence. Why it happens, how it happens, when it happens, where it happens and how victims become survivors. This podcast is a powerful way for you, your friends, and your family to stay informed and stay safe. Thank you for your support. This is part one of a two-part interview with Natalie. I appreciate stories like this, For the way they demonstrate how nice, innocent people can be so easily swept into an abusive relationship. It's the kind of a story where you wish the person, the survivor, who's interviewed would have been more skeptical, more discerning, more take charge with her life back when this was all happening. In part one, we see Natalie pulled into this relationship. Here's our conversation with Natalie. Today, we're speaking with Natalie, who wants to tell her story and talk about this man who abused her some years back. And Natalie, welcome to the When Dating Hurts podcast.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm happy to share my story and hopefully inspire some others going through some difficult times.
1: These interviews really are helpful. I get a lot of nice emails from people who are either currently having problems, whether it's happening directly to them. happening to somebody in their family or friend but then i probably get more emails from survivors than any other group who just say it feels in a way it's like misery loves company i guess you know it's like they feel like well at least i know that i i was not alone and i'm not alone you know there are a lot of people going through this and i guess they kind of feel this kinship or sisterhood or whatever you want to say even though it is men and women maybe just dial back time a little bit and give us an idea of growing up and before you met Alan.
0: I'm an only child and I grew up in the Midwest. So there was just a lot of playing outside, finding neighbor friends to hang out with since I didn't have anybody, any playmates at home. But that was easy because I did live out in the country and my next door neighbor became my best friend and We just did a lot of hiking in the woods, and we would put on silly plays for my parents. Um, But I had a really happy childhood. My parents are lovely people. They, like every family, they would get into a little disagreement here and there, but nothing that stands out. And I loved my pets like they were my siblings, and I still am a very loyal dog mom dog mom forever
1: <laughs> so what kind of pets did you have growing up
0: i had dogs growing up and we had some birds we actually hatched a few cockatiels from eggs
1: that's wonderful
0: yeah it was it was really it was really rewarding we were babysitting my cousin's cockatiels for an extended period of time when she was gone for a few months during that time they laid eggs which was very exciting. The mother bird decided to attack the babies. So we removed the babies and hand fed them and raised them as chicks. And two out of the four survived and led long adult lives. <laughs> and then just random frogs, lizards, just random pets. Cause I've, I just love animals.
1: You really did have your own little zoo going on there.
0: Yeah. Yep. Still do.
1: Everything was pretty good, and you're moving along. I guess you make your way into high school and out?
0: Yeah, I actually, I had a boyfriend for four and a half years in high school, met when I was 14, and ironically, he was not nice to me either, an abusive situation. However, I chalk that up to being young. We were young and dumb, and he's actually the brother of one of my best friends, so We have since repaired any ill feelings.
1: Well, how far did the abuse go in this case?
0: With my high school boyfriend, very similar to my ex-husband that I will be talking about. Very, very similar. The verbal abuse, telling me I'm a, a rotten piece of meat, was one of his favorite phrases to me, hitting me in the head. Not terrible. I was driving... And he was in the back seat. He punched me in the head and his friend was actually riding shotgun. So um, they started fighting. His friend started fighting him to try to stand up for me. Yeah, lots of control as well. He would not like it if I went out with my friends, including his sister. So I had to do a lot of sneaking about to try to have my own life. He wouldn't even take me to prom, so I decided to go with um, one of our friends, which, of course, was another argument. But at that point, I was just over it and broke up with him as I entered college, my my freshman year of college, before I even started. That summer, I broke up with him, which was another thing.
1: How long into the relationship was it that you first started to see the misbehavior from this guy? I
0: would say... About two years into the relationship, there was some of the controlling aspects, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Why do you think you stayed with the relationship?
0: Being that his sister was my best friend, I think that had something to do with it. it, just because I was always going to be at their house. I didn't want to just kind of staying in it made it easier. I was emotionally detached, so I think that that had a big thing to do with it.
1: You were dating this guy, but you were emotionally detached.
0: I've been with him for my whole teens, and I just, I just was like, I know, I know, I deserve better. I know I'm gonna do better. I just had enough. I reached a threshold. I found that out about about myself. I reach a threshold of how much I can take, and then once when I have done that, it's game over from there. Like that's when I'll stand up for myself.
1: This guy, um, from any kind of romantic relationship, this guy's out of the picture, at least from that standpoint, I guess you still have your, you have your girlfriend over there, but at this point you've told this guy that, uh, don't bother calling me. I guess you, what, go to college now, do you?
0: After I broke up with him and then I was a freshman in college, um, and I was still living at home while I went to college.
1: Okay. You're commuting.
0: Yeah, I was just, I was loving my single life. It felt so good. I felt empowered. Justin Timberlake's Sexy Back song was the hit at that time.
1: Was that playing in the background of your life at that time?
0: Like whenever I hear that song. Yeah. And then I wanted to push myself to meet new people, to meet new friends. Across the street from my house, where, you know, I grew up at. There was my neighbors that were outside playing catch, so I decided to go across the street and introduce myself, and that was completely out of my comfort zone at that time, but they were around my age, and we ended up being friends, and they invited me to come to one of their uh, bonfires, and that is where I ended up meeting my ex-husband, Alan.
1: At that time, you were maybe 18, 19, let's say?
0: Yes, I would have been 19 at this time.
1: You meet him, so he wasn't a neighbor, but he was at the bonfire.
0: Yep, he was at the bonfire at that neighbor's house.
1: What were your immediate impressions meeting him?
0: I could tell he was older than me. I was 19. That was an attraction. I thought he was seemed like a kind of my type at that time, just kind of a more of a rebellious of sort. I just wanted to get to know him. So I sat next to him. I think we played the stupid, never have I ever type of game or something. I don't know. But I, so I sat on the floor next to him.
1: So you're thinking he might be worth a second look.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: How did he handle himself then? General respect.
0: No respect. (laughs) Pretty obnoxious.
1: But did you find that attractive in a way?
0: You know, probably. I don't know what I was thinking at that time.
1: Would you say he's under the bad boy category a little bit?
0: A little bit. A, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Does anything else about that first evening stand out to you looking back?
0: Well, the part where he threw up on me does.
1: <laughs> that would stand out. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yep. So I don't know so why.
1: He had too much to drink. Is that what that means? Or Sure he just... did.
0: Yep. Ah. Sure did. Didn't even have the decency to even try to get up to go to the bathroom, um, just sat on the couch and threw up in this house. And I happened to be sitting in the path of the puke.
1: Uh,
0: Definitely a standout moment, which should have been an indicator, 19 and naive.
1: So he's been drinking. He's not thinking completely straight. N- you know, he's not sober. He's far from it, but... At some point, either that evening or soon after, do you get an apology for that?
0: I don't think so. I highly doubt it. I don't remember. And I honestly don't even remember how we ended up dating after that. I don't remember. I don't know. Just happened, I guess. I don't know.
1: So how is he, now that we're away from the bonfire and getting sick, trying to put it kindly, yeah. what's going on now? We're going out. Where are we going?
0: our hangout would be drinking. Sorry, that means I was underage drinking. But yeah, that's really the majority of it. All of it really going to people's houses, house parties. That was all we did.
1: So the idea is you're kind of bouncing from one party to the next. There's drinking and he happens to be there with you just about every step of the way. Mm -hmm. He's kind of your partner in this thing. So he's like four years older than you?
0: Yes, correct.
1: And so you're still in college. What are you now, second year or so?
0: I was finishing up my freshman year when we met. And so then that summer was our first summer together. And then, yes, I entered into my sophomore year that fall.
1: And what's he doing in the meantime?
0: I think at that time was when his lease was up at his apartment and he moved in with me and my parents.
1: I was going to say, you're living at home, aren't you, at this time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how does he bring forth the idea that he's going to be getting his stuff and coming on on over? That
0: I couldn't even, that's another detail that I struggle to remember.
1: Did you have to go to mom and dad and say, Hey, guess what? We've got someone else living here. Do you remember how your parents handled that? Did they think, Oh, oh, that's fine.
0: Uh, Yeah. I, I know they weren't happy about it, but our house was set up in a way. It was actually a It was a single family home, but it was split into duplex. So my room was on the upstairs, which was a literal actual apartment. It was a little bit different in that sense that we had a separate entrance and everything. But yeah, and he had moved across the country as well, another detail. And so he didn't have a whole lot of things to move in at that point. And I'm sure it was just intended to be a temporary thing, but it did not end up being temporary
1: very permanent. He moves in as he, I mean, he's living in the same part of the house you were living in.
0: Yes. Yeah. The upstairs, the upstairs apartment.
1: For all of us, especially when you're 19 or 20 years old, to some people that might be you're getting up there, but when you're really in the thick of it for a lot of us, me included, you're still pretty naive. I'm trying to think of a way to say that, you know, you haven't been that tested in the world. But now looking back some years later, which I guess is about...
0: 15.
1: Okay. 15 years later, looking back through that lens, do you feel like the relationship was speeded up or do you feel like things were progressing in a way that seemed to make sense?
0: Definitely move too fast. It's kind of ridiculous, honestly. Things probably would have been a lot different if he didn't move in with me.
1: Would not have lasted as long, you mean?
0: Correct. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bad choices. One single choice that leads to years of turmoil.
1: So you're both living in the same part of the house. You're going to school. Do you complete Mm -hmm. school at some point?
0: Yep, I did. Mm -hmm.
1: What's he doing while you're at school?
0: He did some sales jobs, worked at like a home improvement store for a little bit. And then a lot of the time he was unemployed.
1: Which is from his standpoint, kind of a luxury because he does have a place to Hang his hat, so to speak, and yep. you know, is a place to live. So if he doesn't have a paycheck, he's not paying a mortgage or rent or anything, right? Are your parents leaning in on any of this, saying, "What's the story here? Where's this going? Anything like that?"
0: I know that's one of their regrets for sure. After everything that happened, but at the time, obviously they weren't probably happy with the situation. But my ex was also at the time when he needed to be, when he wanted to be, he could be charming definitely. And my parents are just really nice people too. And as an only child, I probably had some privileges that, (laughs) and just the way the house was set up too, like that wouldn't have ever been a thing if in a traditional household type style where.
1: If you're two doors down, right. That wouldn't probably play very well when, yeah you know, dad comes out in his pajamas or your mom does and there he is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It wasn't shared living quarters, so that definitely made a difference.
1: How is he handling himself now? Now everybody's sober. You know, they're in the house and you're coming home from school and you have schoolwork and all this stuff. What's your relationship like with him? How's he handling you? Like, You know, what's the give and take? Let's say there's a problem to be solved. How do you guys work through different things?
0: It was always more of a really misogynistic. What he would say goes. There was really no compromises with anything. Never... He just wasn't kind to me, even without drinking. There was just, there was not really any warmth.
1: And aren't you thinking at some point along the way that ask him nicely to get out of there?
0: A wise woman would. That was not me at that time. I was insecure and I was just, I felt like I needed him in my life. Otherwise, I would be alone. And that was another thing that I lost a lot of my. Close friendships at that time because the controlling aspect started to come out where we didn't have any of my friends at things. It was always doing things with him and his friends. And I wasn't truly, I wasn't really allowed to go off on my own and go to a movie with a friend. That would have been suspicious. That would have been a fight. Just literally going to a movie with a friend would have been a fight.
1: So it's like complete isolation in this case. It's all about you and him, and that's enough. Little by little, your friends are just saying, you know what? Natalie's busy with this guy, and the rest of us are just going to go do things. Eventually, they stop inviting you to come along, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah it's kind of classic stuff, classic isolation. Does he, besides sort of generally speaking, being disrespectful and not sharing decision-making, all of these things? Oh, yeah. That's one thing I wanted to ask you about. And when it comes to things like spending money since he's in and out of working, is he trying to control your money, whatever money you have personally? Yeah. Sticking his fingers in there?
0: Yeah. There was times where he needed money. There were times where I helped him pay for certain things like uh, like tools or or the drinking. <laughs> like. I'd be the one most of the time that would be purchasing or giving him money to go get it.
1: Right. Since you're still youngish. Yeah. Yeah. What's the drinking age where you were? Was it 21? Yep. Yeah. So we have this sort of general disrespect and I guess emotionally abusive and not all that interested in how you feel about anything. It's all about him. Mm -hmm. Is he violent at times? What's he doing?
0: A lot of throwing things, punching walls. And the yelling, of course, but at that time, can't even remember what year it was the first time he hit me. It would have been probably, it would have been, I think in 2011, a long time ago, really just outbursts of rage, outbursts of rage over stupid things.
1: What do you think triggered that? It was at that, at some point he wasn't getting his way as fast as yes. he wanted it. Yeah. You we weren't complying fast enough?
0: Every time there was rage, it was because of something that he couldn't control because something didn't go his way. Something as simple and stupid as like ordering a cheeseburger and having, and I don't even remember his desired his desired order, but something without onions or without ketchup, I don't even remember, but getting a cheeseburger that had the things on it that he didn't want and he would punch, he would just punch the dashboard. Just have a temper tantrum over it.
1: But besides the dashboard, how about you? Was he coming after you too?
0: Not at that point. Yeah, he would come after me when he would be drinking. And if there was some jealousy type thing, that would arise. That's when he would he would get physical with me. What would he do? He would push me and he would yell at me he would always accuse me of cheating always. And I never, I never once did. That is when things would get very, very dangerous. And I can still feel the tightness that, um, that I would, I would get just the, the fear of how, how escalated is this going to get?
1: And you still feel that now?
0: Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it stays with you a long time. Just, um, the feelings of just kind of all comes back to you, you know, when you are so conditioned and and it's almost like a survival type of uh, instincts and things. Yeah, I, I definitely still can put myself back.
1: It gets very real, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. In the midst of this, he's accusing you of cheating. Do you think he was cheating?
0: Oh, yes. I've found out now confirmed at least a, a few times. He definitely was cheating on me and that's probably why he was always accusing me of it. I hear that's pretty common, the cheaters are the ones that accuse others of cheating.
1: There's something I heard decades ago which was we sometimes hate in others what we hate in ourselves.
0: Mm. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah.
1: Maybe this is a big maybe in this case, but maybe he doesn't feel good about what he's doing. And the only way that he can make himself feel a little bit better what he's doing is probably figures you're doing it too.
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: In your email, you mentioned something about him sabotaging some medicine you were taking. How's that little Mm -hmm. part go?
0: So I have multiple sclerosis, which is another thing that I like to raise awareness on. It's important to know that MS looks different. And you just never know who might be struggling with any type of chronic illness. I was on medication for that very regularly for years. I was diagnosed in 2010. At that time, I was taking injectable, intramuscular injections. They had to be refrigerated. They they had to be stored in the refrigerator. When I wasn't there to, because it was a mail order, it was mail delivery, mail delivery medicine. And if I wasn't there to put it in the fridge when it arrived. He put it in the freezer.
1: Did he know where it was really supposed to go?
0: I mean, I don't know how he couldn't have known because, I mean, it's in the fridge. It's, you see it in the fridge, you know. It's always in the fridge. It was like $9,000 retail value. So obviously, you can't just get a replacement. Ugh. The motive, I cannot say for sure, but I, given everything, he would intentionally deprive my sleep. Why would he not sabotage my medicine to keep me healthy?
1: I agree with you. That's that's remarkable. Tell us about the sleep part.
0: So I have insomnia. I always have. And sleep is one of the most beneficial things for MS. Having sleep is very important for everybody, but especially for MS and also keeping stress levels down. So sleep and stress, very important. He would wake me up just to get him water.
1: Wake mm-hmm. you up versus get up and get it himself.
0: Yeah, yep.
1: Were you uh, closer to where the water was because of your side of the bed?
0: No, it was a, a equal opportunity to have water by his own side. <laughs> I know he did it intentionally. I would ask, I would ask him, please don't wake me up for water, but it didn't, you know, continue to do it.
1: Yeah, that's just cruel. That's awful. And was he aware that with MS, getting a good night's sleep is really important?
0: Yes. Yep. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: This guy's kind of sadistic in some ways. Yeah. I mean, he really is. Did he have any other tricks up his sleeve besides messing up the medicine and waking you up and for another water run? And
0: I was on a gardening kick. I wanted to grow my own vegetables. So I had my little plants growing in the house, the seedlings to plant outside. And he got mad at me for whatever reason. I'm sure he thought I was cheating or I don't even know. And he destroyed all of my little seedlings. He threw them and stomped on them.
1: I was expecting you'd say he overwatered them, but.
0: (laughs) No. No, he just just kind
1: of danced across them.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: That's awful. Uh. Did you have any pets around at that time and yes. did he mistreat them like he's mistreating you?
0: My cat that I had at my parents' house when we first met, he was not nice to. He would dunk the cat in the bath pretty much almost every day just to quote unquote teacher a lesson because she didn't like him. Surprise, surprise. She didn't like him. So she would pee on his stuff.
1: Pee on his stuff, like his clothes?
0: Yeah, his clothes and his like shoes and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. She did. And so he was not nice to her.
1: Tell me about dunking her or whatever that was in the bath. What was he? I mean, is he filling yeah. up the bathtub and sticking her head under water? What's he doing?
0: Having the water running and just like dipping her, dunking her in with the, you know, the stopper. And so it was starting to fill. Uh, it's awful. It just, that's the worst thinking of, of that. You know, it really breaks my heart. She's not with us anymore. Mad at myself for putting up with that in the beginning, you know.
1: Cruelty to animals to me is it hits me in a a very bad spot.
0: I do have to say that we had a dog, and even though that our dog would see the yelling and the abuse and and all of that, um, which is traumatic for pets, of course. Yes. He didn't ever abuse our dog, so. That is definitely... Why do
1: you think that that's the case?
0: I don't know. I'm not sure. Big dog? Yep, big dog. Yep, big lab. And he's no longer with us either. He would throw himself on top of me like when there was a fight.
1: The dog would throw himself on top of you?
0: Yeah, yep, yep.
1: Protect you, like a shield? Yeah. Wow.
0: I would say most of the time a fight would happen is when I would be kind of defenseless to like laying in bed. Being in bed was anxiety always. Maybe that's why I developed insomnia. Who knows? Yeah, my dog would would lay on top of me and sad.
1: I spoke with somebody yesterday who now is 68 years old, but he was talking about when he was he wasn't even 10 years old and his stepfather was incredibly abusive. And he just reached the point where he just somehow was never fully asleep because he never knew when this guy was going to come in the room and attack him and his brother and maybe his mother. If he was in that house, he was on full alert.
0: There was just another thing with the insomnia and the sleeping. I would go to the other bed sometimes to to sleep in their guest room. And then I would be accused of, why can't you sleep? Do you feel guilty because you're, of your cheating?
1: Your conscience. Yeah. Keeping you up. <laughs> yeah. And yet at some point you get married.
0: Yep. What a great idea.
1: Who proposes to whom in this relationship?
0: He reluctantly proposed to me. At this point I had been recently diagnosed with MS, and I really thought that it was so unknown and it still is, but I didn't know. I I, I felt like I was gonna be disabled and I would never be able to meet anyone again. And I wanted to get married. I thought that, I thought that that would help things. I thought that that would be secure. It would be securing my future.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I kind of, I want to say like I kind of pressured or I suggested that we get married, and and then he we went and picked out a ring together, and then I was like we were gonna get takeout at Qdoba, and I'm like, don't you think you should officially ask me? He was like oh, yeah, um, I guess, like, will you marry me? And So that was our great romantic story.
1: No music playing <laughs> in the background for that part, right?
0: Yep, not at all. Qdoba. Qdoba, our yeah. celebration.
1: There was one story we had where this guy, I guess there was a ring. I'm trying to remember if there's even a ring. But the proposal happened. They walked out of Walmart, and they're on the way to their car. And on the way to the car, he asked her, if she would marry him. That sounds even worse than yours.
0: There is another thing. So one time I had to work late. I was a receptionist and we had plumbing backup in the lobby. And so I was tasked to wait, let the plumber in. Well, of course, if I'm working late, it must be because I'm cheating. Like why, what, what other explanation is there? So I had to take a photo of, My computer with a date, time stamp to prove where I was.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah.
0: And phone calls as well were monitored. If I was on the phone, I had to talk on speaker just to prove that I was literally talking to who I said I was, even my mom.
1: You know, it's kind of classic stuff. A lot of it, it really is. You know, it just Mm -hmm. you can change the scenery and whoever you're talking with, but it's, it's uh, yeah, the monitoring, somebody who is every time you're out of sight. Wants to call you left and right or text you constantly yep. and, or hand over the phone. Let me see who you've been talking with. Who's this person?
0: 100%.
1: There really are patterns. There's a real template to it.
0: Have you heard of, why are you putting makeup on? You're just going to work. Who are you trying to impress?
1: That and clothing.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Telling you how to get the, your hair cut. Yeah. There was one couple where he was the one who picked out her clothing. Wow. And also if she did, he would always have it taken back. He'd drive it back himself if he had to. He picked out her car for her. If she tried to buy furniture, it went back. You know, he had to do wow. all that stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a complete one hundred to zero final score in terms of um. uh, who gets their way. If you could take us to the the wedding reception, the day of the wedding is uh, now. Do we meet the parents at this point? Do they come? His parents?
0: Yeah, I had already met his parents. A few times, his parents were divorced. With very similar, very similar circumstances, abusive dad to his mom, but worse, way worse, more physical, broken noses, going to jail over over it type of thing. How
1: would you find out those things?
0: I don't know if he told me or maybe his sisters told me. I found out. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you. I'm sorry.
1: Mm-hmm. No, it's all right.
0: But of course, the mother was always the villain. The mother to. My ex, the mother, was always the villain.
1: Kind of like she deserved what she got.
0: Yes. Like, oh, what a, what a slut, you know, calling his own mom
1: that, you mm-hmm. know. What happens oftentimes in these is that, let's say, Alan, in this case, sees dad and what he's up to, and he's in fear. You know, he's afraid of what dad's doing. But eventually, the Alan character gets to the point where he starts to realize, well, I don't necessarily like it, but it definitely does work. And that becomes the cycle of the abuser that they, they kind of think, well, I can run from it or I can emulate it. And this guy gets his way, dad gets his way. And then he tries it and he starts to realize, you know, it could be a bully for a period of time in school or tries it out on different girlfriends. And also guys like that, they keep testing different girls until they get one who will put up with it. And that's where you fit in. Yeah. You actually do show up tomorrow like wow okay we got a winner here you know this is the mm-hmm. one this is the one for me yeah you know? yeah so here we are we're married time's passing where are we living at this point are we still where we were
0: still where we were we did live in an apartment together briefly actually before we got married and that was a whole that was a whole thing of everything but we ended up moving back to the house where i grew up in. But this time my parents had moved out. So we actually had the whole house and we ended up renting, you know, the original layout with my parents were on the bottom floor and then I lived on the top floor with him. But then when we moved back, my parents bought a new house and they're landlords. So they, they were, you know, it was available to rent. So that's why we moved back into, to it. And then our friend lived upstairs.
1: So they rented. The friend, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, yeah. So and you had the main part of the house, so to speak.
0: Yeah, the main floor. Yep, and and then our friend did pay rent. I was gonna say, even in the reception at our wedding, we got in a fight. I don't oh. remember. <laughs> I don't remember the details of it either. But it was it was a miserable it was a miserable night in the hotel room.
1: Did you go away for your honeymoon?
0: We didn't have a honeymoon.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, Mm-mm. just back to work on Monday.
0: Pretty much. I, yeah.
1: <laughs> Why do you think there was no honeymoon?
0: He didn't, he wouldn't want to spend money on that.
1: Not important he, enough?
0: Not important enough. He needed to probably buy a gun or something. Did he have a gun? He had, yeah, he had m- multiple guns. He even had an AK, an automatic, he had an automatic rifle that he was really proud of.
1: Did he ever take him out when you were around, kind of maybe as a show of force a little bit?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Did he ever threaten you with them?
0: Yes. Yep. So like one of the last events, one of the last things that I knew that if I didn't leave, my life was in danger. And there is, there's a whole backstory to this part. It started Halloween of 2013. We had just moved into our house in rural North Dakota. And we had a Halloween party It got to be kind of, there was a lot of people there and whatnot. And I ended up actually going to bed quite early. I just, just wanted to go to bed. He woke me up in the middle of the night and he was like, like, you're coming with me. You're coming with me now. And I'm like, I don't want to like, I'm sleeping. No, we're going on a, on a ride. And so he dragged me out of bed and I'm still wearing my kind of skimpy Halloween costume. And it's, Obviously in North Dakota and end of October it's cold out. And so I'm on the back of his four wheeler and he was accusing me of cheating. Again, such a theme. Oh my gosh. The amount of times I was accused of cheating, I could be um, I could be rich just based off of that. So I was on the back of his four wheeler in the middle of the night. It's gotta be like two AM. He's literally trying to buck me off of it. I I was hanging on for my life. And Luckily, somebody from the town was also out. Just wow, universe. Somebody we knew was happened to be also riding and saw us. As soon as the other person came into picture, complete change of attitude, complete change of like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, like come just a switch.
1: Responsible citizen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um,
1: that might have saved your life.
0: Yeah. I, yep that was of course a a really scary situation and then that next few months would just get worse and worse.
1: This concludes part one of our two-part conversation with Natalie. Be looking for part two on the When Dating Hurts podcast. Thank you for listening to the When Dating Hurts podcast. We have been steadily moving up in podcast review rankings based on downloads in the relationships category. That means more and more listeners are getting the kind of advice that can improve lives for victims, survivors, and their families. If you feel we need to hear your story, do not hesitate to email me at Mitchell at That's Mitchell at